Welcome back, daring event designer, facilitator, or leader. This is 16 of Joy Lab, and here are three tools I dive into this week. This week, I facilitated a men's circle. I got pressured to jump off a cliff, and I endured the hottest sauna of my life. Number one tool to customize your diet. Keep a food journal. Two, to cultivate inner peace, stop striving to improve your life. Number three, to create a nourishing inner circle, avoid ambivalent friends. So here is my life inspiration for this week. Uh, in Guatemala, Lake Atitlan, I gathered about 20 people and we went to this nature reserve and we all huddled in a circle and then pumped each other up, empowered each other to jump off a very high platform into the lake. And one thing I reflected on after this experience is that when we are together, when we are with empowering individuals, with people we feel safe with, then fear dissolves quite quickly. And so uh, what we did at on this really cool platform that you can find on my Instagram is we all uh, put one person in the center, we played a really loud song, and we encouraged this person with our body language and our voices, and then at the drop of the song, they ran off and jumped in to the lake and <laughs> so I went last and I was really nervous because someone before me dove off into the water and I was really inspired by that so I'm really nervous because I intend to do a backflip off which is uh, like a forward backflip which I've never done before and so I'm really anxious <laughs> and the drop is coming and everyone's cheering me on and I'm like you know then the drop hits and I sprint off the platform you know look a look back and I do this flip off into the lake and I land it perfectly so the insight is if we want to dissolve fear if we want to do fearful things then simply manifest some celebratory friends some people who empower you some people who remind you to be courageous and fear will dissolve my invitation for you this week apply the science of human connection in your gatherings and this is a monthly workshop that i do you can register for the next one here it's in about uh, two weeks insight from this week and this is relevant because I did a really hot sauna this week with my friend Kendall and we peer pressured uh, ourselves to stay in the sauna together and it is this and it's from Sam Harris and Sam Harris is a neuroscientist and meditation teacher he has an app called waking up it's my favorite app I'm doing the course again because it's so useful and he says true freedom comes in realizing what the mind is like when we stop pretending we are controlling experience. And so he's referring to the concept of non-duality. And what this means is there's only an object. There is only emergent conscious sensation. There's no actual being observing it. And this concept of non-duality also relates to the illusion of free will. Um, and what that refers to is the absence of our uh, ability to control our emotions, our thoughts, um, whatever's happening in the world, we don't really have control 
over it. In fact, we don't have control when we exert control over it either. So, you know, quotes like this from Sam Harris, uh, I remind myself of this this uh, non-duality, this perspective of true freedom when I'm in a really difficult situation. And I really think that this idea that he's presenting in this quote relates to mental fortitude. And mental fortitude is something that I try to train regularly because I believe that our discomfort tolerance is a reflection of uh, our, our basically ability to stay calm and have fun in really difficult situations. All right, so I had a wonderful facilitator combo with Tatiana. She is so multifaceted. We initially bonded over research. She's done some behavior change research uh, in university, and she also organizes transformational retreats. And we talk about the importance of humor in our human connections, journaling with prayers, which I love so much. Uh, prayers don't need to be religiously affiliated. And we dive into that in this 23-minute episode. You're also going to find it attached to the end of my speaking here. Joy principles this week. Facilitation principle. Curate the attendee list. Your tool to do this is private invitations, private curated direct messages or written letters. And the story associated with this is I hosted a men's circle on my balcony and we practiced this authentic relating tool called circling and uh, it was a very private event it was only uh, four of us and we curated the attendee list uh, such that uh, we you know knew that it was going to be a really deep experience oftentimes when we're designing you know really intentional events we want to evaluate where people are at in their life whether that's financial freedom whether that's their self-development um, whether that's a relational intelligence. So when we were hosting this men's circle, we were we were curating the men's circle for people who've had some experience with retreats and human connection meditations. And it was a really powerful men's circle. We actually <laughs> talked about trust and how a few of us couldn't trust an individual in the circle because they are so busy and we, we can't really trust them to get back to us. Uh, and so that was one of the insights for me, communicating when like communicating and requesting that people follow up with me if I can't get back to them. That was a tool that I learned during the men's circle. So relationship principle, stop chasing ambivalent friends. Tool, strategic absence. What that means is basically withdrawing communication if someone is super busy and is not getting back to you and doesn't really seem to be into you. This is uh, really important to take off the gas sometimes and let people reach out to you. Make it known that you desire to be around people, you desire to be close to this individual and then uh, you know if they're not getting back to you, take off the gas and let them come to you. So this was learned from uh, my check-in with Marco. We do these relational check-ins every day. I'm no longer in Guatemala, and <laughs> you're going to learn about this in the next episode. I'm actually in Austin. But we checked in every single day, and we just shared what's going on for us. And when we checked in one time, we were talking about how a lot of people at this lake, Lake Atitlan, Guatemala, 
um, they're really hard to get a hold of and they're really hard to organize one-on-one -on -one time with and we you know Marco was like I'm I'm just I'm good like I I just released my uh, attachment to having one-on-one -on -one time with certain individuals in the community and that's where I learned about this this whole ambivalence like when friends are ambivalent it's actually really stressful to the mind so toxic relationships and nourishing relationships are not as bad for us as ambivalent relationships when we have ambivalent relationships and just to clarify I'm in a divine I'm in a define ambivalent for you right now so ambivalent means and Google Trans Google is loading and it's not loading very quickly <clears throat> it's basically undecided when we're undecided and we haven't made up our minds and we're kind of in this you know mixed feelings contradictory ideas about someone or something when we are ambivalent towards someone um, it takes up a lot of mental bandwidth, uh, especially when someone's ambivalent toward us. We're, we're always thinking like, oh, does this person like me or not? Uh, so what I try to do in my relationships is manifest the people who really, really appreciate my vibe and make me want to be more crazy and edgy. So there you go. Mind principle. You cannot improve your life. Tool. Be the experiencing self. So, uh, defining the experiencing self, so we actually have two selves, and these two selves are described in Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. There's the remembering self. It's we make decisions based on our flawed memories and what we think is good for us based on our memories. And then there's the experiencing self, which is like, how, how am I feeling right now? What does how, how does this impact me in the here and now how does this impact my mood over time in the here and now and this mind principle I learned from Eckhart Tolle and I was sharing it with some people in this cafe we were having a spiritual conversation and it's one of the most powerful ideas ever and essentially when we are fully embodied in the here and now and we're fully in the experience of the present moment life is perfect it's whole it is um you you can't improve a sensory experience in the present when you access the present fully um you essentially realize you have a limitless freedom for peace and joy and what Eckhart Tolle talks about is the distinction between your life, which exists in a series of present moments, and your life situation. So our life situation is like our finances, whether we have an intimate partner, um, you know, our achievements in the past, uh, versus our life is a series of present moments where in every present moment we can access equanimity by fully being in the here and now. And this is the distinction between improving your life and improving your life situation. All right, body principle, check for feedback, tool, food, journaling. So I asked Carly, who was on my podcast previously, about ketogenesis, and she said it's different for all sorts of people, and that's so true. 
um, we can find out whether different foods interact with our body well or badly by keeping a food journal and essentially analyzing <laughs> a lot of it is like the quality of our digestion from the quality of our poop so <laughs> if you want to get serious about optimizing your diet for your body food journaling is the approach to go and I still haven't done that so I am not perfect everyone in my biohacking practice all right, my new creation this week. I wrote a wonderful article two weeks ago now. It's called The One Health Habit to Rule Them All, and it's on LinkedIn. Essentially, I talk about quality, positive human connections as the greatest biohack on the planet. So all the literature suggests that when we have regular positive human connection in our lives it can be more powerful than our diet it can be more powerful than our nutrition and i basically argue this by looking at meta-analyses and i also show you how people spend their time so there's this wonderful graph that i include it's from the worldindata.org and you'll see that like our alone time increases to such a crazy extent as we age and one hypothesis I have is the reason why um, people in intimate relationships live so long is because they're just spending less time alone a lot of people are spending so much time alone as they age and so an intervention to deal with that is just spending more time living with people and spending more quality time with other humans instead of being on TikTok and social media so check it out it's called biosocial hacking how to unlock these health benefits of human connection and access this the greatest biohack of all time all right this is my new discovery I found this wonderful graph. <laughs> so I think one thing we need to accept as we cultivate our personal brands and as we take risks is that our impact uh, basically increases the number of pissed off people that we encounter in life. Okay, so the number of pissed off people is equal to our impact squared. So the more impact we have, the more pissed off people there are. And unfortunately, due to the negativity bias in our brains, we often emphasize pissed off people uh, a lot more than the people who are cheering us on. And I have a lot of experience with this because when I attend parties and everyone gives me compliments for how great of a vibe I am, I, I like focus on the few interactions I've had where I've made people uncomfortable. And ultimately, when we have a larger impact, we're making people uncomfortable. That is like what we are doing. And so when we are fully, our, our full expressive big selves, we need to accept that we're gonna piss people off. Life highlight, this is one of the last photos of my trip in Guatemala. I'm here with Marco who is uh, a relational intelligence facilitator. This is his group. He was leading the course and he and I have such a special uh, empowering relationship where we both can trigger each other. And um, I'm so happy to hear that he stepped into his power and started educating people about relational intelligence. My question for you is what can you educate people about? What can you write about? What can you inspire people about? Because uh, when that happens, let, let me know. Let me know if I inspire you to do anything by sharing this because I, I love seeing people embody that confident educator and facilitator and start to gather people around an intentional objective 
or purpose. So that's me, week 48. If you want to refer or book the party scientist for an event, please let me know. If you want to make your friends feel special, give them a free subscription. And if you want to help me in offering free public sober parties and workshops across the world, I basically do all this for free. So you can uh, join and subscribe. I hope you generate so many plentiful, healthy neurotransmitters today. Dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And let's chat some time about facilitation or event design. You can book a time with me by donation. Please enjoy this chat with Tatiana who is a Tantra facilitator and a retreat creator. Ciao for now. See you in the United States of America. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this is Tatiana's favorite song, everyone. And we like to start these episodes with getting into a pro-social state. So can I see some dancing, Tatiana, One please? Awesome. We all know how powerful <laughs> music is for transforming our state. So thank you for sharing that wonderful song with us, Tatiana. You, you have a lot of different facets. Uh, you're a bioscience researcher. We were just chatting about our experience within different biotech companies. You're a retreat mm -hmm. facilitator. You're either a certified or self-proclaimed Tantra teacher, which I'm curious <laughs> about, buzzword. And yeah, why don't we begin, share with us, you know, what have you facilitated in your lifetime? Like what has been your facilitation journey and gathering design journey? Yeah, um, well, I, I think, uh, let me see. I'm trying to think of my, if I started being a facilitator before I became a yoga teacher. Um, but I think that, you know, I think I was always like the person that liked to gather people together. And, mm. um, yeah, I never had a problem really kind of speaking to groups of people or getting people excited, making people feel welcome. Um, and then I became yoga teacher and that just gave me like the, the confidence and the platform and the group of people. Um, I remember when I first started, it was just, um, just getting all that um, positive feedback from people and also just having a place where people could come and they could come in feeling like shit and then they would walk out feeling amazing. Like being able to give that to people was my lifeblood. Um, so I really leaned into that. And for a couple of years, uh, in my early 20s, I really just taught a ton of yoga, um, facilitated a couple of different retreats. Um, but then um, in my later 20s, I got my graduate degree, got my graduate degree in public health. And I actually, um, during my graduate degree, studied uh, yoga um, in particular. I said uh, that I worked on. <laughs> what? You <laughs> my, were a researcher of yoga? I, I was, yeah. So my, um, in my graduate degree, I had a mentor who wanted, I mean, I basically pitched the idea that I wanted to study the effects of hot yoga on health, um, using this premise of hormesis, which is, has to do with the adaptive stress response. 
with the heat and the yoga. So put together this whole um, hot yoga study, which was um, in the process at U University of Arizona. It was um, it was a passion project, and uh, we were in the midst of it when COVID happened. So never got to see the results. They took the money. Um, everything was shifted. Um, and it was during that time that I decided that I was going to leave Arizona and try something else. So I took a job in industry and bioscience um, and moved to, to California. And at that time, I, I was really working a lot more in the science realm, um, but still taught. Um, and this was uh, during COVID. So the studios were closed, um, you know, back in the, in the beginning. But there was Church of Music, uh, which uh, if you're from San Diego, you might know, but there's a local DJ who still wanted to bring people together in, in times, um, in those times outside uh, on the beach or wherever. And um, she gathered a bunch of people and started this church uh, so that we could gather. And um, I started teaching yoga with her. Uh, so that was a really beautiful platform for me uh, just to get out and to teach during COVID and to also um, continue while I was working mm. in science. And then, and then just um, in this past January, I ran uh, my first retreat uh, on my wow. own with yeah, my partner at the time. Um, and that was a huge endeavor. And it was, uh, I mean, it was like a story out of a book and turned out better than I could have imagined. So, wow. Um, definitely hoping to continue holding space like that uh, in the mm. future and sooner, sooner rather than later. Hopefully, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. This is, there's so many parallels between you and I, I took public health, <laughs> I took public health courses in university and mm -hmm. like what I preach is the public health benefits of human connection. And it's on a very awkward time to be preaching that. Um, <laughs> I no, am it's such probably the most right? important time to be <laughs> thank you yeah it's yeah it just divides people so like yeah it's it's complicated and ultimately yeah I really believe human connection is the greatest biohack of all and when you combine yoga and infrared therapy with the human connection it's even <laughs> hotter um so and then and then you know, what was coming to mind when you were describing how powerful leading this retreat was for you um, is this kind of this difference between hosting events and hosting retreats. And I think when we create containers where it's like a multi-day experience, we can just create so much more transformation and so much more behavior change. And so, you know, coming out of the dark room retreat, which I did like a month ago, I really committed to creating more of those like overnight, longer term, like week long experiences mm -hmm. with people. Uh, and so, yeah, inspired by you, reminded by you uh, of that <laughs> commitment. Now let's jump into our specialty here at the Joy Lab. It's all about unlocking joy in our lives and our communities. So what is your most powerful tool for unlocking joy in your gatherings or retreats? Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, I think there's like a few things. Um, you touched on one immediately during this podcast, which is throwing on music. 
Um, and then like having a space for people to like dance openly and freely. Um, for example, at the last retreat, there was one morning we just put on the music and people just started dancing. Like we just had the DJ thing going in, in the early morning and I had someone on Instagram, like write me like, what drugs are you guys taking on this retreat? And it was a fully sober retreat and we were just dancing, you know, it was just great music. It was, um, so I think music and dance are two of the most um, just contagious ways. Uh, food, <laughs> I mean, these are basic, but um joy there's so much joy that can be brought just in in food and um you were talking about multi-day containers and I think there's something to be said about being in that space and eating the same food every single day <laughs> I don't know what it is um but but I do know that a lot of joy can come out of like really delicious fresh um wholesome like micronutrient dense food so <laughs> I love this so much I love this so much because we're really talking about what's not really obvious in facilitation, but it's like, how do we design the environment, the food, the music? Um, and this is such a great reminder that most of our success as facilitators comes from like environmental factors and things that are not related to just like our voice <laughs> or our activities, right? It's like, yeah, sure. Like I can show up on a plane and because I have so many tools, I can start a sing-along on a plane. But like if the plane is decorated and there's music on the plane, it's like, it's, <laughs> it's just going to happen organically. Right. And so, you know, there's like two, there's like facilitation and then there's like designing the environment. And I love that you talk about food because, uh, we, we have lost like our conscious relationship to food in mm -hmm. Western culture. And so creating a ritual out of food and creating that mindful appreciation of the food, like hell to the, yeah. Absolutely. Like every single meal that we had, you know, you bless it, you, you talk to it first, you thank, <laughs> thank all the forces that be that brought it to you, you know, and even just having that moment can cultivate um, a little bit of joy and in gratitude. Um, mm. But another thing that came to mind in terms of bringing out like joy in people, I think is just allowing them to express themselves. Like as a facilitator, I've seen, you know, others that like to talk a lot and I'm definitely one of those people at times myself um but having a space where every person can really authentically express I, I think that just brings out joy in people in and of itself so yeah yeah and there's so many ways that we can role model that expression and create the social norms in our gathering that give people permission to 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 cry or to laugh or to play and those are all different forms of vulnerability right mm -hmm. so now in your relationships what is a powerful tool that you use to unlock joy yeah uh just the first thing that comes to mind is humor um i'm like you know, I'm one of those people that like, if you can make me laugh, you can make me do anything. So <laughs> I think that humor is just like, there's for me, um, I think I have like, 
have multiple personalities, like not, not in a, um, a clinical sense, but there's just some people that like, that live within me, some characters that I, that I've developed over the years that can come out and I'd like to play with them, especially in relationship. Um, but yeah, I think humor and play, humor and play, like how, how can you be silly together? How can you like, uh, I heard this quote yesterday. It said, um, uh, the reason why angels fly is because they can take themselves lightly. And I think just not taking anything too seriously, yourself too seriously, the things that are happening between each other, the more you can play and laugh, the better, better things will be. How, how would you go about teaching someone to access that humor and that play? Because I created a syllabus called the fun quotient where I attempted to teach people how to be super goofy and yeah, it's, it's kind of complicated. And, uh, (laughs) um, I, I really love like playing pretend and like accessing the imagination and kind of, uh, describing ridiculous scenarios or just like I had a bunch of techniques in the the curriculum, um, like just how we can ask questions that invite people to play. Like, hey, you you kind of seem like an alien, Tatiana. Like, where where are you from? <laughs> right? Like, that's a playful question, right? That invites you. <laughs> but yeah, I'm curious. Like, what what has been your approach to cultivating that? Mm. Uh, oh, yeah, that's like. That is a difficult kind of question because there are layers to it. You know, you have to be on the same kind of vibration with people. I think I've seen, I've seen you before try to start like a playful, fun party. And there's like, there's moments where people are judgy. And if they're judging from the outside, then they can't dive into it themselves, you know? Um, I think honestly, for me, it's just embodying whatever I want to see reflected back so if 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 I want people to feel totally free totally at ease silly absolutely just you know accessing the the little child in them then that's what I have to do myself and just without any like worry about whatever judgments coming my way um I've seen you do that pretty well but I in terms of like getting people to put down their own walls and get to that silly part of themselves. Like, yeah, it's, uh, I think it would have to do a little bit with the environment too. You yeah. Know, setting up the So I have two things to add. I think so much of this is just our social environment. Like people listening, if you hang out with me and Tatiana, like you're probably going to be a way more playful, humorous, goofy human, right? We just like, we just adjust to the people around us. And then the, um, the second thing is, uh, overcoming this concern, uh, about our perception, uh, uh, that others have of us. Right. And that's, that's a process of like becoming at peace with your quirks and your weaknesses. And I guess, you know, for me, like my self-reflections, it, I think it's related to like self-esteem, like the higher self-esteem we have, 
the more we can deflect people's judgments and therefore the more lighthearted we can be, right? So mm -hmm. that would be my approach. Um, and then journaling about like my achievements and uh, the progress I'm making as a human has been really mm -hmm. helpful in kind of boosting that sense of self-love, right? Mm. Yeah. I think I, I, should, I should probably go do that after this. <laughs> right i'm not yeah 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 let's we yeah you can send me your journal entries as a, as a commitment <laughs> so two more things body and mind first of all um our body our body like so much so much of our joy so much of our humor is just because we're in a great physiological state so what are some powerful tools that you use to unlock that joy through your body yeah, I mean, you already know I'm going to say yoga right away because, because I, I mean, we maybe don't know that, but that's it's pretty much ML and that's what I've gone to for many, many years in terms of a solid like formula just to go from feeling like, okay, life to, okay, life, you know. Um, I can, you, can you be more <laughs> specific? Like, what do you mean by yoga? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're, that's a good question because there's, there's so many different practices and forms. And for me, it's really just like throwing out my mat and like moving my body. There's, you know, there's vinyasa flow, which most people know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really just for me, like moving my body in, a, in, in ways that feel that feel good and, and poses that I know are beneficial for my body, you know, going through the Hatha yoga um teacher trainings you start you learn like there are benefits to each and every one of those poses or not just mm. putting our body in like funny positions for the fun of it although it is fun <laughs> um but yeah so I think just having like a free-flowing yoga practice but part of what I think really boosts me up is actually doing yoga with people and in that community setting and having that connection so I know that there's a huge difference between when I throw my mat out here by myself and like when I go to the studio and come out mm. of it, there's just that elevated connection and, and boosted faith in humanity in some way. Yeah. <laughs> and, unless the people doing yoga are toxic narcissists. Which it can happen. It <laughs> Sometimes. Happen. Yeah. Yeah. But like, it's, this this kind of double-edged sword of human connection, right? Like we can go to the studio and people can celebrate us and nourish us, or like one person can just judge us really hard. And because we're so socially hardwired, it can really mm -hmm. impact us. And like, oh, yeah. I'm not saying I'm immune to that, right? So, but, but I love this, right? Because um, human connection can amplify the health benefits of so many, so many other things beyond like the actual human connection modality of like, you know, singing together or like dancing together or mm -hmm. cuddling, you know? Um, so yeah, that's wonderful. Now, you know, related to yoga is, is the mind, right? Our relationship to the voice inside our heads and our brain health. And tell us what is a powerful tool that you use to unlock joy through your mind? Hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say for me, you know, I want to say meditation, but I can't say that I always feel joyful after sitting in meditation. In fact, sometimes I feel rather frustrated 
or just like, why did I do that? Or, you know, I can't say that I always feel that, but I do find a lot of joy in uh, journaling. And um, sometimes I find that I kind of like over-intellectualize my feelings or whatever, but um, journaling, I feel like takes whatever's on my mind and like puts it on the paper and takes it just a little bit out of me. Um, and I do find a lot of joy uh, in journaling. Um, what does it look like when you journal? It depends. Um, recently, I would say a lot of my journaling is just prayers, like prayers, mm -hmm. like thank you, or, like being grateful or kind of reflection on the day, like grateful for what happened, um, prayers for, you know, manifestations that I'd like to happen. Um, yeah, prayers for my family. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, that's so prayers. beautiful. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's so beautiful. I actually, I did a prayer in a sauna the other day and I prayed for a bunch of different people and I prayed for humanity for like three minutes straight and mm. it was the first time that I got into this mode where I was really praying and I really want to leverage it more in my events like this this like collaborative group prayer um yeah I do a gratitude practice in my journal as well uh, where I essentially, though, I, I reflect on like what I like about other people. And then a month later, I'll actually send it to them. So that's mm -hmm. been, yeah, my form of prayer. That's, that's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. So to, to close it up, I want to invite you to share any quotes or wisdom, uh, the best, the best life advice, or <laughs> any, any other nuggets of wisdom for the audience and uh we'll we'll have you and your next retreat which has to be <laughs> up soon tatiana <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. so yeah so so like really good advice that you've either received or given that kind of you know uh that that you're reminded of huh. what is that there's a few things that come to mind. I definitely have like a couple of mantras that I live my life by, but one of them, um, one of them that my grandfather said a lot was, um, whatever you do, you do to yourself. So. <laughs> Whoa. Can you unpack um, that for us? <laughs> whatever you do, you do to yourself. So, you know, any endeavor you take on, if you're, you know, ultimately, and I believe this, you know, like it can be with good intention, with negative intention, with no intention, um, just I do that like every single thing that we do ultimately comes back in some way um and we do live with like our actions and we have the choice to make a hundred different choices a day and just being mindful and, and reminding yourself that like everything you're doing like you, you know you're you're the star of your life and it's everything affects everyone else but it ultimately it's going to affect you. And, um, and it's not like a selfish thing. It's like, it's really, I think it's more of like a collective mindful thing. Like just be mindful of what you do because mm. <laughs> you're doing it to you <laughs> at the end of the day. 
That's that's so beautiful. And uh, <laughs> what's coming to mind is just the importance of like disciplined action and behavior change. And I think like in a lot of spiritual communities, we don't emphasize, we, we emphasize the mind a lot, but mm -hmm. then like really the translation of the mind is through action. And so, yeah, I just emphasizing behaviors and behavior change is really important to me. So this was awesome and I'll be at your next retreat, hopefully as a co-facilitator. I'm so <laughs> thankful for your time. And yeah, I'll see you uh, hopefully uh, at some festivals in California because you are in San Diego. So San Diego. goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, thank you, thank you, thank you.